0: Ha. There we go. I'm the only one allowed to smash the late button. El Presidente DMCS. Just me. Although the lag is making it look a little funny on the thing. Hey everybody, how's it going? Uh, Joe... Joe Magician here. Um... I might be... this might be the first time I've actually streamed, um, from this new setup where you can see everything. i think the last time i was in the darkness with michael with a silly hat and a cape on but today you can actually see everything and it's all its glory with all the uh... germ stuff over here, a bunch of harry potter uh, my pal ned over here poor dead ned with who lost his head wearing his germ hat it's um not very much into shakespeare but i bought that uh, for the halloween thing and i decided to keep it because it looks cool <laughs> Hey guys, how's it going? Um, No, Bernie, this is not Pegging Anonymous meeting. That's not a cast. Oh, uh, Steven Stark in the chat. Yeah, I'm wearing my uh, Sanrixian North Remembers Wolf Killing Everything shirt. Uh, (laughs) I also got a surprise, hang on. Well, two surprises. I've been hanging on to this thing. Since uh since it came out, I guess. The collector's edition from Omega Gang, the Game of Thrones special thing. So let's see here. Tonight I have let's take a look at the options. Ooh, let's get in frame. I've got fire <laughs> fire and blood, winter is here, and take the black stout mmm wonder which one I'll choose uh, actually you know what vote in the chat let me know what you guys think there's quite a delay though I'm not quite sure why let's take a look at him though because let's see here there's Winters here Take the black stout with our weirwood, much like Bran in the uh the video. And fire and blood for Reina Targaryen. Oh, take the black. You're crazy, Bernie. You're crazy. You're crazy. I'm not doing that. Um, you can still find some of them in stores, Denise. Um, I still find them every once in a while. Most of them only got a a few of them, but they didn't sell out that bad. There's absolutely no chance I'm drinking this stout. Like, I'm just throwing that out. It's not happening. Oh, also, what do you guys think about um, all this, got the chat over here. I took the uh, quote card from my How Strong video and kind of edited it a little bit and dropped some things out. I think it looks pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, winter. I think winter is here. It's gonna be the one I'm gonna do. Mostly because I like that one the best. I've had the fire and blood, and it's it's okay. And take the black stout. Stouts aren't my thing. Oh, super chat here from um, Steven Stark. He says, to hype the shirt, everyone go buy Sanrixian t shirt Support artists and ca- content creators. Yep. Uh, Sanrixian's also going to be at Ice and Fire Con selling some shirts. So, um, make sure you pick one up. Unfortunately, the House Strong shirt didn't win the poll. Uh, a real bummer. Got beaten out by the stupid Greyjoys again. How dare they. Alright, let's see. Let's see if I can open this without it flying and hitting me in the eye. I did it successfully. But, I don't know if you guys saw this on uh, on Twitter, but I bought myself a laser-etched mug. So, here we go huge too. Mostly because I wanted something... I have the Weirwood thing, but it's way too small. It doesn't work for me. I don't like it at all. Um, so on this side we have Duncan the Tall. On this side we've got, uh, House Tarth for Brienne. And then on the bottom, because you can etch anything, the seed is strong. So this is a theory my House Strong video made into a mug. Looks really cool. I've been using it. It's pretty damn good. Hey Chrissy, how's it going? Um, alright, so I'm just gonna pour this out and then we'll actually get the stream started. Well, I guess the content, the hashtag content you're looking for. As I do the worst pour in the world. Yeah, the winter is here is a double white ale with sea salt and white pepper. It's delicious. Highly recommend if you can still find it somewhere. But usually not. It's sold really well. Um... Oh, and then after this, by the way, uh, Aziz is playing Crusader Kings uh, 2 over on History of Westeros, so... I've been enjoying those. I've been watching those most Fridays, but... Not tonight, because I decided I should actually do a stream. Like This is a lot of fun. I enjoy talking to you guys. I haven't done one in a A few months now, so about time, I would say. About time. And then you can watch Aziz play House Blackwood as he tries to take over Westeros in an Old God Revenge theme. Speaking of Old God Revenge, uh, so... Oh, yeah. To House Strong and Duncan and Bruyenne. I said, I said it was the worst pour in the world, the absolute worst pour in the world. <laughs> Alright, so, what are we going to start off with here? Um, so this is a, I'm just doing a Q&A thing, I grabbed some questions from uh, Twitter, Patreon, um, comments, leave some here as we're talking, and I'll try and get to them, Think uh, kind of li- more of an open Q&A thing. Uh, I have some stuff listed, but we can sort of go wherever we feel like. Uh, to start off... Uh, the most recent video was Westerosi Horror Story, which got renamed a few times as I was playing with the name. But it's I think it's now Who Tried to Kill Reina Tar- Queen Reina Targaryen? And the this is actually something that came from uh, in the chat, Nessie the Questing Beast, where I was talking about it in my Patron Slack, and I was like, I don't, I don't think Andro worked alone. It like doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He kind of goes from being a very timid unintelligent loner with no adventure in his life and all of a sudden he just like starts killing lots of people in a really efficient way with a rare expensive poison it's it'd be kind of like if sir dantos like all of a sudden became a master assassin from nowhere it's like the same kind of character you're supposed to be like wait what happened here how exactly did he do this uh, yep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, see that was your video, mostly because you told me you thought it was an interesting idea, and it was. It went a lot, I went a lot deeper than I thought I would. I thought it would be pretty simple, but it's actually got a pretty good mystery to it. Um, and for those of you who didn't make it to the end of the video, spoilers by the way, uh, the three suspects I came up with for who helped Andro were Lyman Lannister, Rogar Baratheon, and shock of shocks. Jaheris, King Jaehaerys Targaryen. <gasps> oh my god. The conciliator. No. How could he do such things? Um, and I put up some polls at the end of it. There was one on YouTube and there was one on um, Google Forms. And the results ended up reading like this. This is not what I expected. I expect, actually expected most people to go for Rogar. Just because people have such a high opinion of Jaharis that I don't think a lot of people would really believe that he could do something like this, that he could help somebody like Andrew Farming try and kill his sister. So, the results went down. Pretty similar from both... Bit <laughs> <Good> phone there. <laughs> uh, from YouTube, 60% of the voters said Jaharis. 26% said Rogar. 7% said Other. Which was interesting, so not anybody I, I listed, they just thought it was somebody else. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, there was a common theme in the in the responses. Hey, uh, let's see here, who's in the chat? Stacy27, Donald Peoples, Anna Iglesias, how you guys doing? Thanks for coming tonight. Oh, Edward Martin, hey, how's it going? Christo, just reading up. There's a stream delay, by the way, so these, I'm going to be like 20, 30 seconds behind or something like that. I tried to get rid of it, but I couldn't. And then 1% for Lyman Lannister, and 1% for the Lone Poisoner Theory. Apparently there were people that totally believed that <laughs> Andrew Farming could pull this off, that it was, like, his entire life was a misdirection, that he was just plotting for this one moment of revenge, which didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, that's how it ended up broken down. Um, <clears throat> I do think Joe Harris fulfilled, fulfills just about every part of what you would look for in this kind of murder. Um, in particular, it's that he and Raida are like enemies for most of Fire and Blood, and it sort of plays it off as sort of this playful or minor family problem, but it's act- it's really not. What she's doing is effectively splitting the kingdom against him when he doesn't. Need that. He's a young king, he doesn't have a lot of support. Targaryens are on the ropes after Magor kind of soured the whole living under dragon lords thing for him. And then his sister is running around, his older sister, who probably has a claim and actually does have a claim at this point until, you know, Jaehaerys says, by the way, women can inherit the crown. And yeah, I, I think it all adds up. Um, the two most common alternatives, though, ones that I didn't come up with, um, were Queen Alysanne. That one I think is more, more explosive <laughs> than Jahari saying Al- Queen Alisane the Good would, Good Queen Ally I'm sorry, would try and kill her own sister. Because it seems like she is the most wonderful of people, and it doesn't seem like murdering would be, um, quite up her alley I would say and then the other one is a maester conspiracy because there's been a long-running um set of theories in the fandom that the maesters have been trying to essentially remove the targaryens from the picture they've been trying to essentially rub them out and kill all the dragons and return westeros mostly to the faith of the sevens control which they're just like that uh, wait what's what's going on in the chat Stubby finger, nubby fig, finger, um, Bernie's going off again. As per usual, Bernie. Just doing your own thing. Um, yeah, sad sack, Andro says, uh, says Nessie. Uh, Denise Hodges not seen bright enough or rich enough. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think there's any chance he acted on his own. Um, but to start off with, I got a, uh, <laughs> a question from one of my patrons. It came from the patron Slack. Uh, Aaron M., who's not here tonight because she unfortunately had to miss it, but she wanted to make sure I answered this very, 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 very important question. Is Jaheris the conciliator actually the worst? <laughs> and this is something I've been thinking about for a while since uh, Fire and Blood came out, and, you know, I, I posted this take on, on Twitter a few times, and I got kind of slapped around for it a bit, but, you know, fair enough. Um... It's one of those things where, when you're reading Fire and Blood, and when you look at the nicknames that George likes giving his characters, a lot of them are almost... What's the right word? Ironic. Or, they're not as good as you think. Because, you know, there was Daron the Good, there was was Aegon the Conqueror, there's uh, Aegon the Unworthy, and then you get Jaehaerys, who's the conciliator. That's not Jaharis the great, it's not Jaharis the wonderful, generic Jaharis the majestic. He just conciliates, which is um it's an it's it's an obtuse word. It it's not obvious what it's trying to say. It mostly means that he solved problems somehow. And that's kind of what happened where If you go back and read Fire and Blood, a lot of the ways he solves his issues are either he uses Alysanne, because she was awesome, he uses barf, or he turns to violence or threats of violence when he wanted to um, get his exceptionalism thing done. There's a lot of convenient deaths that go around, and also he and Alysanne fly to Old Town and park a dragon and basically threat to Hall the entire city unless he gets his way. Now, that's a lighter touch than Magor, but not by much. That's, that's not a good thing to do, to threaten to basically kill everyone in Oldtown unless he gets his way. And he did much the same with uh, Rogar Baratheon after, his, um, after he tried to get Jaehaerys removed from the throne, where he essentially held the Stormlands hostage for Rogar's good behavior, essentially telling him, do what I want or I'm going to get on Vermithor and I'm burning down the entire the entire kingdom. That's not awesome. I'll say that. And then there's also um when he went to wait. Uh, Bernie again. And then there's also when he went to go take care of I think it was the vulture king um and he just just personally went essentially like questing and grabbed the sword and personally took them on because uh, Vermithor I guess wasn't effective because of the way that Dornish have learned over the years to avoid dragons. Smart move. And and when you look back so to Aaron's question, is Jaehaerys actually the worst? I don't think he's the worst but there's definitely there's a comparison can be drawn where he is much more a typical Targaryen king than an exceptional one, but an effective one. He's an effective king. Does that make him a great person? Well, that's a question in the books. Can a good person be a good leader, too? Can he be moral also holding this kind of power? And, you know, he wields power well, which raises the question, is he a good moral person? And, eh, uh, bring up in the chat, um, on, I just saw this, where was it? Uh, Denise Hall brings up, yeah, he was not great with his kids. He especially wasn't great with the female, uh, his daughters. He and his daughters had had a lot of problems. He had a lot of problems with women in general. Um, he essentially divorced Alisane twice. They call it quarrels, but that kind of undersells the fact that the queen broke up with him and left. Um, and it's implied that he sort of went on a, uh, to go make the eight in the in-between time while they were broken up. And uh, Sarah, I believe, his daughter that he exiled, that wasn't awesome. His problems with Reina are well-documented, well, I well-documented them. And uh, if he tried to kill her, it would just sort of be more in line with the pattern of behavior where he has a lot of problems with um, dealing with women in power and he tends to try and solve things through violence or threats of violence, or just sending Alicent to do it, but clearly the Alicent plan plan wasn't working as Reyna was kind of out of out of his control at that point. Oh, hey, uh, Sarah Charles, just showed up. How's it going? Uh, Matthew Royce. Looks like the massacre of Dragonstone occurred in fifty four A. C. and Daemon Targaryen resigned his position. Yeah, that's one thing I noted that it's Daemon. Um, Daemon Velaryon's niece was one of the people that was killed by Andro. And it could be like, oh, well, you know, he's mourning his niece, but it could also be that he's very unhappy to find out that a plot from The Crown to kill Reyna had his family member put in danger and actually killed for it. So, yeah... Not a great move from Jaehaerys. He's probably not the worst, but there is definitely a theme with the Targaryen kings where the reputation is George's undercutting them a lot. Maegor was cruel, and Jaehaerys was a conciliator, but their their actual behavior was probably somewhere in the middle, and that's something that's also borne out with the way that Fire and Blood is written, in that it is written by somebody who loves Jaharis. Is written by somebody who hates Magor, particularly from the perspective of the Maesters and the Faith of the Seven. Jaharis made nice with the faith. Although he didn't he didn't declare war on them and put bounties on skulls like Magor did. So if you're trying to emphasize the kind of ruler that you would like to see on the throne, which Fire and Blood sort of is, it's sort of like a guide to how to not be a shitty ruler from the Targaryen perspective. Jaharius is the kind of guy you would want on the throne. He values um, he values threats rather than uh, actually falling through on them. So yeah, Aaron, he's not the worst, but he's probably not the best person, even though he was a very effective king, if that makes sense. you guys following that? I hope so) <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to... Iglesias says, tell that to the Targaryen fans. Nope, I will stay far away from uh, the Targaryen fans. With the opinions that the Targaryens are not always the greatest. Um, uh, 420 how's it going, buddy? Uh, B1 Mary, hey. Good to see you here. Uh, Kyle Wilson, what's up, man? Uh, so... You know, as I'm talking, feel free to, you know, throw out some questions. I got some already queued up, but I'll take them as we go, especially if they're good ones. Um, oh, Mike Deck was in the chat, and he, uh, said his Alisane theory. That's actually in the document. I did pull that one out. Um, next one up from Thomas Smithson. Smithson. Ooh, that's a, uh, that's a tough one to say. Um, he says, um, Part of me always felt bad for Andrew. Yeah, he deserved what he got in the end, but if he wouldn't have killed anyone, then his story would have been so sad. He did not deserve to be treated that way by the Queen and her friends. I wonder if at first he knew his marriage was a scam, or if he was tricked into marrying her thinking she loved him and his sister or something. So, <clears throat> so there's a lot going on with Andrew's marriage to Raina. In particular, she has a lot of motivations at the time. The first one is she doesn't want to be a political tool for uh, her brother or Rogar Baratheon, so she just has to get married right away to get it off the table. Second, her and... He can't have been unaware that Reyna and Alyssa Farman were a couple. It was well known from when, they were there, from when she was there the first time. It seems more likely that the relationship... Was set up as a sham. That he knew going into it that Raina did not love him. That he, she was doing him. That he was doing her a favor, and it seems to be in hopes that she would return. That she, over time she would grow up to love him. That's sort of what you see in his quotes um, as his killing spree kind of unravels. That he yells at her. That it's like I could have given you children. I could have loved you, and instead, blah 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 blah. So, Andro is sort of the kind of guy who. <laughs> Uh, it, it was never really on the table for him to be have a romantic love with Raina, and it's it seems to be that obsessing over that and trying to make that happen, like, is per- and just really dwelling on it, fueled his rage and got him to the point where he was ready to kill over unrequited love, basically, and it's not really. I don't think there's really much fault on Reyna. Um, I mean, her and her court were mean to him. That's true. And I, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to excuse the bullying, but he got. It seems to be that he got into this with completely wrong conceptions about what he and Reyna were, what him and what her and Alyssa were, and what her and her court were. It seems to be a lot of jealousy coming from him, where she was a queen. She I'm sure she offered to, like, let him go and live whatever life he wanted, but the life he wanted was with her, and that wasn't ha- happening. And that's, um... That's not awesome. And it seems to be that those feelings of betrayal and being ignored in the bullying is what whoever was in Andro's ear exploited and pushed him from... <laughs> pushed him from uh just being angry to being murderous which is a common thing like you see that Littlefinger does that twice where he gets he uses the genuine feelings that Lysa Aaron has for him and uh, Robin Aaron to get her to kill John Aaron somebody she probably wouldn't kill on her own but you know he's in her ear and he's constantly pushing her and finally he puts it on the table that if you kill him, then we can be together." And she kind of blurts that out at one point. Kind of like Andro. I think there's a lot of crossover between um, Andro and Lisa Aaron in terms of how they were selected, the way they were pushed, and the feelings they had for the person that they killed. Let's see here. Let's go check out the chat. Uh, is there a possibility a member of the small council supplied the poison without the king knowing to keep... Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's very possible that Jaehaerys may not have directly even ordered it. Like we see with uh, Rogar Baratheon when, when he clearly wants Rogar to kill his mother, Dowager Queen Alyssa, I think, in order to save the child, but he can't get himself to do that. It's his mother. So he grabs Rogar, who's drunken emotionally compromised basically like shakes him and says do what you have to do and throws him in there now he's not telling rogar to go in there and say and say kill Alyssa and save the child but he's kind of making it known what he wants and that kind of thing can happen where it's it's where somebody says i hope a thing happens or it would be better for me if this person was out of the way from people in power and sometimes maybe a counselor would act on that uh, I brought up Rego Draws as a possibility. Very possible. Um, there's some discrepancies over what he said and the tone, and it makes it hard to figure out. But there is definitely uh, also Lord Massey. The one who notably says, we should just kill this person that's in your way. If that's a suggestion once, it may have been a suggestion again. Or it could have been even uh, Damon Velaryon, who is unhappy about it. Um... Let's see here. Um, El Presidente DMCS says, I find it hard to believe that Andrew wouldn't come out and say, by the way, your brother King had a hand in this. I agree. The, the problem, though, is, again, that this is not direct narrative. We are not seeing through the eyes of a character that is watching this happen. We are... Here, we are reading an account, in George's mind, this is how he sets it up. He is, we are reading an account of a maester who read another maester's account at the time, and the biases of those two people in between. So, if, if something like that was said, or maybe if Andro was set up for a murder and he he didn't actually do it, you you can expect that the, what the maesters are writing, especially with how they love Chaharys in particular, maybe there's a, a crossed out that little line. Or they just didn't record what he said. Like, we can't take this all at, at exact face value. So, who knows what Andrew actually said. Um, I mean, that happens much more in Fire and Blood when we get to uh, Princess and the Queen and um, The Rogue Prince, where George plays his three POVs game. But you can see that here, too, where there's very much a unreliability and you have to take into account the bias of who we're talking about um i'll add that one for later phil h with a good question add that to my doc uh tony 343 hey man how's it going is larry strong around the in the story at this point no he's not the uh, the strongs don't really factor into the story for. It's not until Viserys' reign that they start, uh, they start showing up, and I think that's like fifty years or so away, because it goes from Jaharis to Viserys, I think. Hang on a second. I'm gonna double check this. Jaharis the first. Yeah, Jaharis was followed by Viserys... Viserys' children, yeah, so we're we're about basically two full reigns away from the Strong showing up. Although they are in the story at this time, but not Laris, definitely not Laris. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, Anna and Iglesias. Andro might not know that Jaehaerys and Baratheon are pulling the string. Also very possible. Um, until Littlefinger just tells Sansa that he was responsible for the death of Joffrey. Um, it's really up in the air. If I don't think Sansa really has any idea of who Dantos is working for. And there, there would be levels of buffers in between whoever actually ordered the killing and who helped Andro. I I addressed that in the video where I talked about how it might be the bollocks. Or, um, actually I saw some good suggestions and comments that the Maesters may have been a a buffer in between them, that they supplied. Um, let's see here... Oh yeah, Uh, next question that I pulled from the comment section was Uh, From Mike Deck, who's in the chat right now, Uh, he has a long comment where he talks about how he thinks it was probably Jahari's over. uh, I mean, he thought he thinks it was Alisyn over Jahari's, and he talks about um, that it's all it all has to do with the dragon eggs, with the stealing of the dragon eggs, and the fixing of Jahari's financial crisis, which was happening at the time. Um, They did not have a lot of money after. Uh, they took over from Magor. He pretty much exhausted the royal funds with his wars. And not a lot of people were paying taxes. Uh, Rago Draws, the Lord of Air. Oh, no. I'm not sure if it's the Lord of Air, but Rago Draws did help with the finances. But yeah, they were in tough financial straits for a while. Um, His Mike Dex theory is that he thinks that the dragon eggs were sold knowing they would never be hatched, and then it was essentially pinned on uh, Alyssa Farman and it, it goes to some sort of large conspiracy that goes through Andro. Um, my problem with when I was thinking about this, because Allison is definitely on the table. She's She seems to be, well, frankly, smarter than Jaharis. She's the much more politically savvy one. Um, it's that It's usually Jaehaerys is the one that leans towards the violent or get-people-out-of-the-way examples. Like, when Alysanne lands in Winterfell and she meets Alaric Stark and her sons, and his sons, and she's riding a silver wing and he's visibly intimidated and basically threatens her, and I think Jaehaerys in that moment would have kind of pushed the intimidation back. But Alisane instead turns him into a friend and makes him an ally. Alysanne's way is to coax and coerce and make friends of people rather than using the might of the dragons in the Iron Throne to really get her way. For instance, she really loved making uh, marriage alliances. Um, that, that was her primary way of keeping... That's something that's sort of um, undersold in the book. In Fire and Blood, it's kind of sold as... Saint has her little pet project like she's playing playing The Sims or Crusader Kings 2, making all these marriages, but her marriages in large part are have a real effect on the stability of the realm for Chiharys because everyone's married to each other. It's it's the same. I mean, I started playing Crusader Kings 2, but one of the primary ways you stop somebody from killing you is you make a non-aggression pact by marrying your families together, and she married all the families together and nobody was going to war. And it seems to be that, um, I don't think she would be behind a poisoning, and I definitely don't think for Reyna. Especially because after all this happens, and, um, and who is it? It's uh, Reyna's daughter, Araya, and after she leaves on Bolerion, it's Reyna, not Jaehaerys, who goes to her to try and, you know, reach her. And men fences with their sister, who's having a really tough time maybe you could you could say that she's feeling guilty for her role and using Reyna and the killing of her friends to for some protection of the iron throne but i, I don't I don't really think it's in her character maybe I'm wrong i mean I definitely could be uh, i I just don't think it's um i don't think it's in her to try and kill her sister especially through somebody like Andro. <laughs> um Let's see here. Uh, Nessie points out Lucamore the Lusty was. Yes, he was around during this time. Um, it is... He comes in a little bit, uh, I think... Yeah, let me check this out. I have to make sure I got this timeline right. Lucamore the Lusty. Uh, he was... It was in the next year, because it's fifty four AC. 55 AC Lucamore ends up on the um, on the King's Guard. So the strongs aren't have not really pushed themselves into this generation. Hey, um, Barrel Rider says first live stream with you. Hey, how's it going? Uh, welcome. Glad you got to catch one. Um, Kyle Wilson says I bought Fire and Blood and haven't read it aside from wanting to know what happened. Is it a good read? It is a good read. It, it's a tough read though because it's not direct narrative. It's sort of written like a history book. Um, but once you sort of get past the change in tone, the way it's being uh, told to you, you can start to see really interesting things, and the stories are are George, and so they're awesome. I really enjoy them. Um, it's definitely worth a re, a re, read it once and then read it again, and go back and uh, pay attention to things that are being emphasized and de-emphasized by the fictional maester, because it tells you a lot about the story George is trying to tell. Hey, uh, Sanrixian showed up. I got your shirt on. Got the North Remembers. Uh, Sarah Charles says, matchmaking for the win. Tony, I'm afraid to try C- CKT. I feel like we're consuming. It's a consuming game, but yeah. The matchmaking is probably more effective than Jahari's threats to kill everybody. In terms of keeping the realm together. I, I would say. It seems that she's much more um, behind the successes of Jaharis' reign that maybe Jaehaerys is. Like, I always thought it was really interesting when you're reading Fire and Blood, is that Jerry's sort of gave up on diplomacy at one point, and just sort of let Alisane go on ahead of his retinue, do all the hard work, and he shows up and shakes all the hands after she's uh, got all the marriages and alliances set up for him. So. Yeah. Yeah, Alisane... Uh, also gave the gift to Night's Watch, good call, uh, Denise Hall. Um, yeah, and she's probably, and, um, Stephen Sark says, I would say maybe the best target in history, I think that's pretty fair. I think if she was male instead of female, she would probably be, um, probably the greatest of their monarchs, she probably is the greatest of their monarchs, just the uncrowned one, I guess, uh, along the lines of somebody, like, I, I don't know, maybe, like, Blood Wraithen. Bloodraven was effectively king for quite a long time uh, with Daron on the good. Um, let's go here. Oh, Kath- let me see here. Kathy De- uh, Kathy DeHot says, Honestly, all we have is a secondhand maester saying he did it. The kid could have done it himself, and the team helped to throw Andrew onto the bus. That is definitely a possible explanation for what happened especially with the with how he goes from being very stupid to very smart all of a sudden if he's being blamed for a murder he didn't commit and um sort of took the fall kind of like Danto's hollard then yeah uh, that is another reasonable explanation it's it kind of gets to the fact that it's really hard to parse what happened <laughs> on Dragonstone, because a lot of it doesn't make sense. Like, how do you get the Tears of lists? Where did he come up with this plan? Why is nobody stopping him? Like, where are the guards in this? Why, why isn't anybody testing the food? It, all these other things that, whatever. <laughs> uh, Angel Dalton in the chat, I like your Pokemon plushies. Oh, thank you. I got a Flareon, an Arcanine, a Dragonite, and a Bulbasaur. Um, let's see here. How long have we been, Oh, about 45 minutes. Okay, so let's keep trucking here. Um, A Child of Persia left a really good comment on the, um, on the video where she said, Andrew reminds me of Littlefinger in this lack of typical male interest and in skills. He plays up how non-threatening he is to feed, to deceive those he wants to take vengeance on. I think that's, yeah, that's absolutely a great take. Um, he is absolutely, I think, a Littlefinger kind of to Aaron merge of a character. And I think you're supposed to definitely connect Littlefinger's murders to Andro Farman's murders, especially with the, the use of a pawn, where whatever happened, Andro is not the, the king in this situation. He's not the mastermind. He is just a pawn being moved around the Targaryen dynasty. So Littlefinger does it for chaos in his grand... Plan to somehow become lord of something. Who knows what he's really doing? Uh, that that's always a tough question. But there's definite overlaps with their characters, and I mean, it's a thing that George talks about where he says um, he said, well. He says through his narrative that uh, poison is a woman's weapon, and Littlefinger uses poison. So does Andro. So I mean, it's not that's not true. Poison is not a woman's weapon. It's not even true in the narrative, but it's sort of a saying. An idea that he kind of hangs it on. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there was a, a great comment on Reddit because like, I this posted on Reddit from a uh, user Muma Muma Ahesh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, he notes this is one of the people that suggested the Maesters. He noted, and I didn't catch this, that Maester Anselm the replacement for Maester Coppola because it was kind of a um, older Maester, younger Maester situation, kind of like um, God, what's his name? Stannis Baratheon's Maester. Hang on a second. Uh, Clash of Kings. Maester Cresson. Maester Cresson's situation where there's an older aging Maester who seems soon to die or retire and they're training the next one. Um, He notes that Ansem, during during all this, is curiously unable to identify the poison, although that could be explained because it's a very rare poison, but fair point. And also that Ansem is killed, um, oh wait, hang on a second, oh yeah, Ansem was uh, was not killed by Andro in his run-up, he only killed Culliver. Maybe he knew that Ansem didn't have the skills, or whoever was planning this new Ansem didn't have the skills to find it out, but it could also be he was the one uh, that was supplying the poison, and he was a go-between along with maybe the Bullocks to Andro to set up this. And that Ansem is killed near the end of the murder spree. He's stabbed between the shoulder blades by Andro Farman. Apparently, if that was his contact, you know, it could be. The Maesters being involved, that would make a lot of sense, where um, Reyna has been a problem for them, too. It was Reyna's marriage to her brother Aegon the Uncrowned that started um, a faith militant uprising. Uh, She's also um, at least bisexual, which is a... That kind of thing is a big no-no for the Faith of the Seven, and she's a Targaryen, so... She has a lot of uh, targets on her back, particularly from the Faith of the Seven and through the Maesters, because, again, the two of them are pretty well linked. So, yeah, that, that that's a good point. It may be that um, Maester Ansem and um, the the remaining uh, Sir Bullock on the island could have been behind making sure that nobody caught Andrew while he was killing people. That could definitely be. Um... I wish I had caught that. That's a really good catch. Um, Let's see here. And it goes to um, El Presidente DMCS. says nobody suspected Andrew of acting strange? Or was he always a glorified waiter? The fact that nobody is suspecting that people are suddenly dying and in a realm where poison is a thing and like... He's obviously pissed off about something. I mean, either they very much suck at their jobs or they're ignoring it on purpose. Um, As to why no faceless men, the problem could be uh, money. They charge a lot. And it's specifically noted that they would, I think Littlefinger says, they would um, charge the price of a small army to kill a lord the price for a princess would be enormous while Reign as a queen. So how much would they charge whoever wanted to do it? Quite a lot, and it's noted that the the, the crown at that point does not have quite a lot of money. Uh, they have financial problems. It's one of the reasons that Lyman Lannister is brought up as somebody that should be made a part of the small council to give them loans and I mean, get shot down, but they do need money, and if you don't have money, you're not hiring the faceless man. So you can see that being a problem. Uh, Senrichian notes that 69 people are watching. Of course, of course. Nice. Uh, there was another qu- uh, good comment here that um, it the name's in a different language. I I can't tell if it's Korean or Japanese. Um, but they had a really good point. Where they were talking about um, Jaherius's uh, problem with women, and in particular with his ch- uh, with his child Sarah, and his problems with Alissane and Reyna, and how a lot of like Jaehaerys's problems stem from the fact that he cannot deal with the fact that he is afraid to lose his power, that he doesn't want to steed any of it to the women around him, and it even goes on to cause the Dance of the Dragons because of the because of the Great Council. Uh, looking over rainy's the Uncrowned for Viserys. So, yeah, it, it's, um, he was an effective ruler and king, but he definitely has his faults, and one of them is his major problems with women. Um, oh, something was apparently supposed to be a super chat from Natalie Smith. try again. I'm sure we'll get there. Um... So, any other, uh, I'm going to scroll back up if so we can find any comments or questions on that one, and i are just going to lo- move on to the last long night video, because we're doing both at the same time tonight. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jay Moray says, it's very interesting how Andrew and Peter are certainly examples of being systematically effed over and being enactors of systematic horrors. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, A large part of the reason for the problems between Reyna and Andrew is that Reyna needed a husband, and because the Faith would not accept her having an open relationship with Alyssa, and... Because she's a woman in a man's world sort of thing, even being a queen with a dragon, she's she can be married off uh, by her king just for political capital, which happens all the time. And if Reyna was free to do what she wanted and be with who she wanted, she never would have had to marry Andro. And it never created this awkward situation where the two of them have to stay together, um, despite the fact of not caring for each other at all, and, um, and just for, yeah, it's, there's, this whole situation is really a casualty of the, um, uh, male primogeniture in a way. Reyna and Jaehaerys' problems with each other are because of that, Reyna and Andro have to get married because of that, and Reina becomes a problem for them, for Jaehaerys, because Again, she has a claim to the Iron Throne, a weak one, but somebody could marry her and then use her claim to try and overthrow him. And it all comes down to the way the power structure and inheritance works, which is not great. <laughs> uh, Natalie Smith is having problems with the super chat. Uh, I've never actually tried to do it, tried this send a super chat through my phone. Um, uh, keep plugging away at that one. I'm sure you'll get that. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jay Moray says, I imagine dragon eggs or equivalent values equal royalty, which is interesting when thinking royalty compared to each other, do they all cost an egg? <laughs> How much is Reina compared to Jaharis? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Did Alyssa drop off three dragon eggs with, with the, and say, and each one, because she sold them to Bravos. That'd be funny if it was a dragon head for, a dragon egg for a Targaryen head, if that was it. I wonder which one she would want to kill. That's a cool idea. I didn't, that's a nice symmetry. Um, yeah, I bet they would take a dragon egg to kill Jaharis or Reyna or Alysanne if if um if the Faceless men were asked to. I can't imagine it'd be hard to imagine a more valuable way of paying them. <clears throat> Alright. So Um I'm gonna move on to the uh last long night video. Any more questions? I'll grab them, throw them on the dock, and um uh try and get them at the end. So if you This video came out a little while ago, I think like, um, two, three months ago or something like that. It's essentially, with the end of Game of Thrones and the others are dead by Arya Stark's hand, are they really gone forever? You know, they've bent the rules of mortality before, maybe they can again, or can they be made again? Are they kind of like a recurring nightmare for Westeros that stems from the abuse of magic in the natural world? Are they... An exceptional, a unique event, or are they sort of an inevitable consequence of humans using magic in this world? Oh, uh, Steven Stark donated uh, five dollars for your super chat on behalf of Natalie Smith. That's very, very gentlemanly of you, Stephen. Um, so one thing I really enjoyed looking at in this video was the idea that magic use is really out of control in this world, and in some fantasy worlds, it's sort of sort of said that there's almost an infinite amount of magic. Like, the world is magic, and it doesn't really hurt anything to use it. Like, you know, there's wizards having battles all the time, all this other crazy stuff. It doesn't really affect much. But in George's world, there they're really just... There's, uh, there's the quote that magic is a sword without a hilt, or a prophecy, one of the two, but kind of the same thing. And these societies and races that find themselves... <laughs> Um, overusing magic, it ends up being almost the end of them. For instance, the Valyrians, their overuse of uh, magic in the in the in the Freehold, holding back the fourteen flames, and then them all erupting and killing the entire civilization. It, it was it's a it's hubris basically that they thought they could control the world, they thought they could control nature, and instead it backfired on them in the most dramatic way possible. uh, Natalie Smith, uh, finally did it, claps in the chat for Natalie, she got her super chat in, uh, thank you very much, um, and you look at the others, they're sort of the flip of the other side, I mean, a lot of people dream about being immortal and conquering death and that, and that sort of thing, especially George, George loves writing about, a lot of his stories are about that, but I don't think most people would take the other's form of immortality because they're basically not they're not human anymore. They're there's something else. They're something that doesn't experience what it is to be human anymore. They're they're ice demons or whatever they are. And it's kind of you know don't you never want your wishes granted because it will be a nightmare. I think there're no bigger no bigger example of that than the others. And I sort of, I I made a comparison in the video between uh, climate change and the others, and how around these hinges of the world that they talk about, particularly the wall, I imagine Valyria is one, Ashai is another one, there's just non-stop disasters and horrors in these places. It doesn't seem like the world is better off for their use of magic. I I use the idea of ley lines, um, which is a fantasy concept, but... Yeah, there's, um, there's there's quite a big theme of characters using magic and then it being horrible for them and the societies they're in. Like, on a a very small, a much smaller scale than, like, the Valyrian Empire and the others, I mean, Stannis, his, uh, the shadow baby that Melisandre births visibly ages him, like, overnight. (laughs) Um... His hair's turned gray, he looks very tired, he's not the same person afterwards. Um, so, that could be the same sort of thing. Um, so, the question that I posed in the video, are the others over? I would say probably not. It does, especially, um, it sort of depends on what Bran's going to do at the end of Game of Thrones, now that he's basically a god-king on Earth. He has all the knowledge, he's basically, all of his... Rivals are eliminated, the Targaryens are effectively gone, basically only Drogon's left, the last dragon sort of thing, the others have been destroyed, um, the children are all basically dead. I think they said that in an, uh, after an episode thing or some question somewhere that you're supposed to understand that in the taking of Blood Raven's Cave that all the rest of the children are now dead, that that was the only ones left. So... What will Brand do with that power, and can that power be reused? The answer, can be reused, seems to be yes. Especially because there's so many different stories about how dragons came about. It may not have been one generation of dragons being invented. It may have been multiples. They may have come in waves. I mean, it doesn't have to be just one. Um, Let's see here. Rod, damn it, wish I wasn't working so I could hang out. Oh, thanks, Rod. Uh, Yeah, definitely kept on the the rewatch. Thanks for showing up. Um, let's see here. Looking through the chat. Uh, Kathy, De- Kathy Dahad says, The last hero also had an iron sword that broke, except that was before the Andal, so his sword would have to be bronze. Um, um yeah, there's there's a lot of inconsistencies in the histories. Um, I'm pretty sure they're on purpose, though. Uh, there's sort of this idea going around that I've, that I've seen that there's this conception that George has a very accurate understanding of his history and his mythology and his legends and um, that he's kind of telling a bunch of different stories because he's trying to obscure some sort of monomyth. There may be some sort of central idea behind it, but the details, uh, it doesn't seem like he knows. I talked about that in my uh, my video on why The Long Night Show was canceled. It seems to be that... Um, when pressed for answers about what happened during the Long Night and during the Andal Invasion, like the exact the people, the characters, what happened, George just, he doesn't really know yet. And that seems to be um, more of his style, where when asked about it, Elio and Linda, uh, when they were writing The World of Ice and Fire, they would ask George about a particular detail or a house or a character, and they would send him a message like, oh, what happened here? And George would send back, oh, I don't know, give me give me a, let me think about it. And then he would send back like 20,000 words on it. Like, um, he, he did that for the Western too. He really expanded things, but usually kind of when prompted, um, he makes it up, his gardening style means he leaves himself a lot of options and that's sort of what he's done with the ancient history. Um, let's see here, I'm not seeing the blood sacrifice. Option under super chat, please don't blood sacrifice to the channel. Thank you very much. No killing. Uh, Let's see here. Liam Mullen, hey. How's it going? Nice to see you. Um, Tad Dawson, 68 Dawson, says, Using power always is consequent. Absolutely. George, is he does not... (laughs) believe in essentially like the Lord of the Rings style magic where they can just do anything all the time that they want. He doesn't believe in uh, magic without without consequence. Everything has a cost. And there's no bigger example than the others. They're, whatever they did to get their power, if even if, I mean the show doesn't even really tell us the why that scene happened where he, he took the dagger in the chest. Uh, whatever they did to get it, it's almost certain that they didn't do it with the intention of becoming the ice demons that they are, the bane of humanity. It's sort of a uh, a slow escalation, a, maybe a, like a fear of death thing pushing them beyond death and becoming the monsters that they are. Uh, a super chat from Sanrixian, oh wait, she sent a sticker, it's a lemon guy who's Enjoying the stream, I guess. <laughs> uh, thanks very much, Mallory. Um, Anna Iglesias says, Nothing is created out of nothing. You always have to give something to get something in case of Stannis is part of his life force for the Shadow Baby. Right. And also part of his humanity. It's. I don't think Stannis pre-Shadow Baby would have considered killing Shireen, but... He's a different person after he kills Runley, emotionally, and it seems like his soul his soul is almost shattered. Uh, let's see here. Oh, let's uh, grab a question uh, from the video. Um, let's see here. Uh, Vanessa Amnesty, Amnesty says. Uh, What do you think about the ghost grass covering the Dothraki Sea and the Shadowlands not having daylight and a toxic atmosphere? Are those also different degrees of climate change by magic? Yeah, ghost grass is a really interesting idea that George has implemented where it's really unclear what it is or why it's spreading, but it seems to be coming out from shy and moving east to west across the world. And it seems that shy is like... The place where the greatest sins in the world have have occurred, where all dark things are in a shy. Oh, uh, another super chat from uh, Steven Stark. hashtag #Journey. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. Uh, Steven's on a roll tonight with all the super chats. Um, but yeah, uh, another example. I mean, the Doom of Valyria is a bunch of volcanoes exploding and destroying the Valyrian Empire, sort of their own magic consuming them. But if you look over at a shy. There's, there also seems to be sort of um, the natural world revolting against them sort of thing. The River Ash um, is filled with volcanic ash from an enormous ever-erupting volcano to the north, which kind of reminds me of Mount Doom uh, from Lord of the Rings. Um, and it's very possible that there's been two dooms, that there was one for Valyria and that there was a doom for Shai. that reckless use and overuse of magic took shy, which was, by all accounts, is the largest city in the known world by a wide margin. A place where knowledge and magic all gathers in one place. And it's also the place that has been effectively cut off from being able to grow. Like, it's noted there's no children in a shy. All the animals are deformed and twisted and mutated. They have to import water and food because nothing you have, nothing that grows there. Is even edible it seems to be a more extreme example of that but you can also look at karth um, the ghost grass is coming for karth as well where on, if you look at the outside of karth there's these giant images of um forest and animals and karth obviously was thriving at one point and now it's surrounded by desert and it seems to be in all these different places around george's world anywhere there's a huge central place full of magic and civilization, it's destroying the natural world around it. Um, Let's see here. Uh Uh Ananglacia says, grooms of the timeline can't be trusted. Very true. Can't be trusted because I don't think he's figured out what they are yet. if he ever gets around to expanding the world of Ice and Fire, he might. But he really had his chance to with the, with the Blood Moon or Long Night show, and it appears he declined to in favor of writing more Targaryen history. So I don't think we'll ever get an answer to that. Um, let's see here. Ridiculous Ed Tall it would be me for our late. Hey y'all. Hey Ed, uh, thanks for showing up. Um, Kowinski. Hey man, how's it going? Uh Tony uh 3483 three, Obsidian Heart Creating the others is questionable in the book canon, I am in my opinion. Uh yeah, sure. It I would imagine that it's something similar because it's so out of left field that I don't think Dan and Dave would come up with it on their own. That seems to be something they were probably told and then worked around. I talked about that in the um in my uh Whisper Jewels video where everything about the Night King in the show lines up with George's use of weird magic stones and his other and gems in his other works, and if, and especially the um, how obsidian is very much emphasized in the books in a way it isn't in the show. I, I don't think I don't think that was their idea. Uh, was there an announcement for the stream? Yeah, there was. Um, I think there was some weird stuff going on in the background with YouTube. Uh, it made me go to different control rooms, which was weird. I had to change the, some stuff for this one. I don't really know what happened. Um, my bad on that. I'll have it fixed for next time. Uh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. So to a- answer Vanessa Amese's question, I think Ghost Grass is definitely um, an idea that the natural world is revolting, that it's the overuse of magic is destroying the ability for humans, and everything else to live in that world. A, a simple example, like, simple in terms of, it's not grand, but it's very much like a Mordor. As Sauron's power grew, the the land around him, the land he went to, would become foul and unable to be lived on. Like, literally evil. So, it's probably something like that. Uh, uh, Bernie thinks of ghost grass the teeth eating plantos. That's another cool idea. Maybe, like, dragon teeth. It's just, like, slowly chomping its way. Kind of like a giant Pac-Man. Um, a barrel Rider says, Do you think we're going to see something like The Last Hero and His Twelve Companions? You know, maybe John with Ghost as the dog and a dragon as the horse. Um, I would expect, as we get to the end of the books, George will have some sort of fellowship, uh, whether it's exactly 12. Uh, a lot of people think that Bran will be the last hero and John will be Azor high Maybe there's a difference between the two there. It does seem like Bran is more closely following the last hero story, whereas John is more going down the Azor high path. But who knows? I mean, that's part of his gardening style. He can... he set up these different examples. He can use them however he feels like. Um... I'm really hoping that John isn't the last hero, mostly because that means I think that Ghost dies. I don't want Ghost to die. Ghost is the good boy. Ghost is the best boy. Um, oh, Mandolin. Hey, how's it going? Uh, good to see you. Mandolin 523. Uh, happy with you Year, better late than never. Yeah, I think there is some something messed up about the, um, the stream uh, going out to subscribers. I'll have to take a look at that. Um I was using I'm using a different piece of software. I normally used uh, StreamYards and before that I used Google Hangouts. I'm using OBS tonight, so I think I've messed up something in the settings, i will be fixed. Um <clears throat> Kathy Dahad, another good point from her. You're on a roll tonight, Kathy. Technically in the worlds of Gurm, in the words of Gurm, the details in the world book are what a master believes to No proof, no proof there are no children in a shy, absolutely. Um, it's very much like Fire and Blood, where you, you have to take what's being written there with a grain of salt, especially when when you're thinking about a Maester in the Citadel. They're about as far as they possibly could be away from a Shy, so they're they're reporting rumors that were rumors that were rumors that went from sailor to sailor to port, unless you're talking about somebody like Marwyn, who supposedly actually went to a Shy. So Marwyn would be the um, if you're talking about who would actually give us an accurate look into a shy other than melisandre marwin would be the guy to look for uh oh super chat from uh, nessie the questing beast thank you very much uh do you think Euron could bring the wall down by unplugging it um there's a lot of ideas about how to bring down the wall um i know the guys over at nauticast uh, especially jeff and well, actually, both of them really favor the idea that Euron's going to use a horn, and it's going to shatter whatever spell is holding up the wall. Um, <laughs> I wonder what you mean by unplugging it. Do you mean, like, if you, like, rip the weirwood, the, the black gate, out from underneath? Because it seems that seems to be maybe where the power is coming from, that it's the weirwood net. Or that the black gate is there because it's a ley line. A, a convergence of different ley lines all in one point the hinge of the world idea is essentially that george has this is using this idea that there are essentially like points in his world that have more magic than others things like uh valyria a shy the wall that kind of stuff like melisandre in particular says my magic is stronger at the wall than it's ever been and that seems to indicate that there's something very powerful going on there um Maybe like a pool of of power or pat or magic in some way. However he imagines it, it may be um, knowing George. It might be something having to do with like dead psychics or green seers or something like that. He loves that idea in his other stories. That there's a lot of power when uh, beings with psychic powers die and coalesce into one place. Like that's a big thing in um what is it? A song for Leah. Oh, uh, Mallory says, you got no live notifications, so, yeah, I gotta fix something for last time. Sorry, guys. Um, actually, I don't know how many people are here at the moment. Uh, let me check my control room. Live dashboard. I actually haven't been watching, I've just been trying to focus on talking. Uh, 80 watching. Hey, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks for spending your Friday here. Um... Kind of came out of nowhere. Don't worry, there'll be another one coming up after I finish my uh, the upcoming video with the Shay about the Expanse. Uh, the 5 Forts seems to be another hinge. Uh, Tolkis four-twenty, absolutely. Glinski says a manor Same idea. That's exactly the same idea. Uh, it's a, it's used by uh, different names and different stories, but the idea is the same. Some place like holy place, whatever. Um. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. So do, could Euron bring down the wall by unplugging it? If if there's a way to drain the magic out of the wall, maybe blowing the Horn of Winter will do that. Then um, yeah, I, there's definitely a way Euron could bring down the wall <laughs> by unplugging it. That's a weird way of saying it. But yeah, whatever's holding up the wall is magic. And if you can undo the magic, then the wall comes down. Um... Denise Hall says, are the five forts parallel to the wall from the last long night? I've actually had that idea for a while, that if the wall completely melted, you'd be left with a whole bunch of large castles in a straight line, just kind of across nothing. Because where the wall is, if you look at a map of Westeros, is just kind of, it's kind of a nothing place. But if, if the giant ice wall was gone, then it would look exactly like the five forts. Maybe there was another ice wall in Essos. And to get back to the point of the video, the are the are the others gone forever, if the others are sort of an inevitability, if they're kind of something that happens in a cycle, sort of like a, in a Norse way, where it's an as long as there are humans with magic, they will try to beat death, and by become by beating death they'll discover they can bring back the dead, they can become the others. So there may have been multiple other invasions that we don't know about. George can make it up, but the five forts. Definitely looks that way. Like, f- imagine the wall is completely gone, right? Move forward 2,000 years, and the castles are still there. Like, w- would you call them, like, I don't know, like the 13 forts or however many castles there are? Probably. It would probably look almost exactly the same. And you sort of get the same thing at um, Moat Kaelin, where it appears to be an incomplete fortress. It, it doesn't exactly... Bar everybody from coming in and the walls are to the south not the north. So Maybe there was something there too. A lot of people thought the hammer waters maybe, be An ice wall melting that would be interesting um, Let's look at another question I got from the comments on that video uh, From the Star Wars questioner what is similar to dragon populace being tied to the strength of magic maybe the population of the others is tied to the length of seasons? So the summers are the length, are their length as the population decreases through death, while the winters are dictated by the growth of the other's population via births or whatever their version of it is. But that was another big part of this video, is I talked about. Will the seasons go back to normal, basically? Because that that's a really big part. The abuse of magic really seems to be making the seasons go wild. Because there's not when I asked about it, George has said there's no scientific explanation for it. It's magic based. So. So, there's definitely something linking the seasons to the Others and the Dragons, or fire magic and ice magic, that there's some sort of unbalance happening, and the world is swinging wildly back and forth. But it doesn't, it's hard to say, I don't think it's actually tied directly to the actions of any of the characters, because, you know, there's been very long winters in Westeros' history, but not all of them have been a long night, you know? It, unless you're saying that the others are causing every long winter, but then how are the Valyrians still causing long summers when they're gone and the dragons are mostly gone too? So it seems to be something more primal, that it's an indication that the world is wrong and that the humans have done it basically. <laughs> oh, let's read the chat after I got after I talk for like three minutes. Oh yeah, uh, hit the like button. Um, we're going to be going for like another 20, 30 minutes or something like that. So any more questions, uh, throw them in the chat. I'll try and get to them. If you haven't seen, this is my awesome mug I got made for me. Tarth on one side, Dunkin' the Tall the other, and I can't tip it over. It says the sea is strong on the underside. It turns out you can buy mugs and have whatever you want, laser etched into them. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Barrel Rider, do you think the world of ice and fire is round? So north is connected to the east. It is round. Um, it is a, it is a globe. Um, although it's much smaller than real earth. Like the, the distances people have compared them to the real geography of our planet and it's complete nonsense, especially because, uh, as the books have gone on, George has made Westeros bigger and distances have changed. Because he's not a he's not a cartographer; he's just a fantasy writer. So, <laughs> um, but it is possible that the North is connected to the East, or it was via some sort of ice bridge. That's totally possible, like how um, Asia and North America were connected at one point, and humans walked across it. Maybe at the heart of winter, at the very top of the planet, it's possible that ice went down and connected to Essos. Uh, oh, I see you guys are expi- excited about the Expanse video. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, so what's going to go on with that is there's a full podcast version that um, is like an hour and change. But what I'm doing is... That's, the full version's gonna be available for Patrons. I'm gonna make a cut-down version for YouTube with a video and all that stuff, and that'll go up for everybody, but if you want the full version you'd have to go to Patreon and sign up. I think I'll put it at the $5 level? And then you'll be able to listen to it. I think that's, I think that's a good idea for how to split it up. Cause I don't want to, I don't really want to put up like super, super long videos on this channel, but I also want to make them, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think, I think that's a good way to do them. Um, <laughs> Edward Martin says, snaps. Uh, Magic man, love that theory. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. Um, I, I think I'm going to do a video at some point about the wall itself and connect it to the 5-4. It, so it'll be interesting. Um... Amir uh, DeBay wants me to do my Gurm impression. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not wearing the hat. I can't do it. I have to be wearing the hat. Um... Oh, another super chat from Steven Stark. Man, Again, on fire, Stephen. I have a question. Was Joffrey Baratheon the greatest king ever? Please be specific. No, he's not. Joffrey Baratheon sucks and deserved what he got. Probably deserved worse. Um... The only part of it that makes it like, more really questionable is because you're rooting for the death of a child but or a preteen at that point but yeah fuck Joffrey um... let's see here oh this was a, this was a really great comment on the video The uh, "Last Long Night by D.L. Southwell he says theoretically a long night would kill off all the foliage, it would be nothing but frozen tundra and dead trees the sun has to return each season to renew the forest and reduce oxygen and grasses for the animals and grain for the people yeah the, this is one of the things that's really um, That really doesn't make sense about the idea of long nights and long winters, even multi-year winters. The death tolls would be so high that the natural world would not be able to survive. I mean, George is not a biologist, so he's making it happen because he thinks it would be cool. And it kind of is cool, but... Yeah, any, like, a two-year winter would basically end everything. (laughs) Um kill off the foliage ghost grass in a way could be like a way of seeing that that um ghost grass valeria Ashai, uh the area around Karth, um magically destroyed but not not accurately destroyed none of that stuff would work um let's see here. let's look at the chat um, yeah, I love The Expanse, uh, from Tony3483, I'm happy to see more people getting The Expanse, it's really great, I've read two books, I've read part of season, I've watched part of season one at this point, I'm gonna watch some more, um, excellent, excellent book series, I'm really enjoying the show, and I liked it, (laughs) I like it a lot more, actually, than, like, even, like, the, The Witcher, which I, I like The Witcher book, The Last Witch, way more than I like The, um, then I like the show. Uh, hang on a second. I'll be right back. You guys hang out. Uh, okay. Should be back. Sorry about that, guys. Had to take care of something real fast. No no talking behind my back. No gossiping about me. How dare you? You know, I can re chat. I, I can come back and see this. What are, what are you even doing? <laughs> they are part um well I'm not gonna do a Witcher stream. Maybe in the future, the upcoming video with the Shea will be Wall Game why Game of Thrones fans to watch G expand, so maybe I'll do one with the Witcher too. <clears throat> uh, okay. Yeah, George is not a biologist. Long winter is not global. There is indications, uh Phil H that it was global at one point, like the Roy, Roy and I experienced it. And the, um, it went even as far as, I think, Dothraki C and maybe the Jogos Nye. So, at least one of them was semi-global. Maybe it didn't go all the way south, but it definitely went around, I would say. Uh, grab some more questions. Oh, interesting idea. Uh, Melatonin says, When the five forts be where a wall of fire would have been maybe obsidian. That's a really cool idea. uh, John does think that the wall looks like uh, giant gemstones, basically. Uh, A wall of obsidian is not out of the possibility. I think there's something like that in... Volantis. Well, it's not I don't think it's obsidian. I think it's a basalt wall. But in theory if you can control stone and rock enough to make structures like that, then I don't see why you couldn't make a giant wall made of obsidian. That would be really cool, though. I would love to see that. The Five Warts is super interesting, especially how it seems to fit in with the um, the myth of the origin of the others with the Lions of Night and the Something coming out of the far north. The The names are pretty similar between Northeastern Essos and Beyond the Wall, too. A lot of talks of cannibalism and murders and horrors and that kind of stuff. Uh, Denise Hall says, What will happen now that Craster's is dead and will not, being, not be supplying more children to the others? So, there's some weird stuff going on with Craster, and it's... It seems to be that he's maybe not the only one giving them children, but he's the one furthest south. Because it's said there are clans that, um, that basically worship the others, or they worship cold gods, which, as we know from Craster, are basically one and the same. Um, he's probably, they've probably been getting children pretty regularly, um, but he seems to have up production, so if they're... If the Others are still alive in some form, because they can turn into mists or something, if, they, if they're alive in some form at the end of A Song of Ice and Fire, then, you know, wherever there's a temptation of power, wherever there's somebody that will gr- do what the Others are doing for Craster, then there will be somebody who, will, who is um, sociopathic enough to sacrifice anything to get that kind of power. Um, oh yeah, um, Nessie says fused black stone. Yeah, same idea. There definitely could have been a, a wall of fused black stone. Uh, the black stone, I think it's been explained as it's the Valyrians, essentially. They had the ability to work stone into objects. Um, it's unclear if, it, if George means that they have like Modern building techniques if they can like make things out of concrete like we do or if they're actually in some way shaping stone like Using magic and it just moves into certain positions if it's the second one then That could definitely be an explanation for how they're making how they made these stones which seem to go back to um, Great Empire of the Dawn, um, whatever Karth is, Valyrians—it seems to be a shared ancient technology that sort of fell apart um, in the wake of the fall of Valyria. The the ability to make these things.
1: Uh, let's see here. <laughs> um, pee in a bottle
0: like Aziz? Does Aziz pee in bottles? What do you? What is this? Um. Oh yeah, Phil so H says the stones are dragon poop. I have read those theories that people think that um, obsidian is solidified dragon poop. That would make it really interesting if that's what the Valyrians made their civilization out of. Dragon shed. <laughs>
1: um
0: Anna and says Sothorios is like if Australia took steroids and then mixed with Skull Island and Dr. Moreau Island. Yeah. It's actually, um, when you look at what's in Sothorios, it's basically like H.P. Lovecraft Land, there's all the same ideas, the same kind of monsters, the same sort of horrors. Um, kind of, It's in the dream quest to Kadath. There's a lot of similarities between what we see from Sothorius and the world of dreams that uh, Randall Carter walks through. So, It's one of those things where George likes writing in his favorite fantasy stories as real places that don't have a lot to do with the main story. They're just kind of fun Easter eggs, like the, uh, Lang is a real place in A Song of Ice and Fire but is a thing from Lovecraft. Um, Carcosa is in there from the, uh, from the Yellow King. Uh, it seems that Karth is very much in, basically, like, Dune as, as, like, a city state positioned in A Song of Ice and Fire, that kind of thing. Um... Oh, here's a, a question I skipped from um, Last Long Night comment. Uh, what exactly was the doom if Valyrians had the volcarians had the Volcanoes under control, and weren't the Valyrians and Targaryens fireproof? So it seems that the if the World of Ice and Fire should be believed, at least in the general sense, that the source of Targaryen power is that they took 14 Volcanoes and sort of harnessed them, kind of like... Um, Magic factories almost sort of thing. This is this gonna be another video too. I'm going to talk about Valyrian power and What forces they exploit that George likes writing about in order to create? The magical effects that they did However, they did it however George imagines it. he thinks that they had the 14 flames under control and it's suggested that the faceless men killed the fire mages that were in charge of keeping the spells intact um, <clears throat> and when the spells broke volcanoes which were probably somehow kept on the edge of, of erupting all erupted at once and it destroyed the civilization there's been other ideas that like uh, dropping a dragon egg into a volcano would be like a nuclear bomb okay I think it's I think we're supposed to see though that from the, what the Kindly Man is telling Arya that somehow the Faceless Men are behind it. And um, that's sort of what the Doom was. It seems to be the same with the Shy, like I was talking about, where a large volcanic eruption from a place that had dragons and seemed to use fire magic, that it's kind of like the natural world revolting, which in a way is what the others are. They're like the Weirwood First Men culture. Taken to its max, and the world revolting against it. Um, and what about the Valyrians and Targaryens being fireproof? That is basically just a Danny thing. They have uh, the Targaryens and the Valyrians are less sensitive to f- heat and fire, but not immune. Even Danny gets burned in the pyre, uh, Khal Drogo's pyre, and her hair burns off. And um. It takes quite a while until, they, until her hair grows back. Like, through most of Clash of Kings, I think Danny's bald, and her burns are healing. So, that's supposed to be a miracle that Danny survived walking out of a gigantic inferno that could burn a body. So, a volcano erupting would kill a Valyrian. Dragonfire does kill Valyrians. Dragons can kill each other, that kind of thing. So, not fireproof. That's more of a thing the show um, played up. Oh, hey, uh, Alicia Kingston. Long time no see. Glad you could stop by tonight. Um, just in time though for uh, me wrapping up. Probably got about 10-15 minutes left, so any questions you got, throw them into the chat. I'll We're gonna rapid fire these babies out. Um, uh, Tad Dawson 68 says, who built the thrones of the Deep Ones? I'm guessing Martin thinks that there actually are Deep Ones, (laughs) that there's the, um, like some sort of old god, like a Lovecraftian old god, merged human races who made it. Or, who knows, some sort of
1: ancient bygone race in his world of magic.
0: Uh, Mally says, has Matt watched Legion yet? The Yellow King. I've watched parts of Legion, but i I, Yellow King thing is um, From True True Detective. I know that's not where it's actually from. That's where I heard of it, but the names match up Um, Hang on. Let me just look this up. So I don't sound like an idiot like that. I clearly am The Yellow King Carcosa Uh, The King in Yellow written by Robert W. Chambers Uh, influence on Lovecraft and definitely Martin. Uh, uh, Legion is awesome. Yes, I agree, Anna. Um... uh, wait... Uh, Phil, I don't know what your time frame question was. Uh, put it up again and I'll get to it. Um, Denise Hall Fire Resistant, not Fireproof, correct. Um... (laughs) Theratralis, man, that why he's still going? Uh, wrapping up soon, so... Anything else, and then I'll do plugs and that kind of thing. Um, Alicia says, Do you think Danny surviving Drogo's pyre was stolen blood magic from Miri Mazdor? That's definitely one theory I've heard, where it's noted that while Miri is dying, she seems to be Ulating whatever, singing some kind of magic, Melisandre. When she casts magic on ghosts, it sounds like a song. Song of Ice and Fire, that kind of thing. Definitely could be, um, or it could be something even weirder. It could be like, since the dragons hatch- hatching are magic in that moment, George has described it as a miracle. Who knows? I mean, it could be any as weird as George imagines. It could maybe it's like the dragons protecting her, or she had like some kind of weird dragon psychic Valyrian bubble around her, which is. A thing he writes about in his other books, where characters with psychic powers can do almost anything. That basically... Or maybe it's um, somebody reaching through the flames, or in that moment casting a spell on her from afar. Maybe somebody like Bran or Bloodraven. God knows. I don't know if we'll ever get an explanation. I'm not even sure if George has one. (laughs) Uh, Miri, though, is a decent theory for, expl- for explaining a very hard-to-understand moment. <clears throat> uh, Mallory, it's from a lot of things- Oh, did I say it was Lovecraft? I'm sorry. Um, I think I said it in the same sentence. I know, I know it's not Carcosa and the Yellow King are not explicitly in Lovecraft, I don't think. They might be. But he didn't write it. I know it was something from, from something else. Not the true detective. Uh, Barrel Rydis says, What battle do you think was fought in the base of the lighthouse in Old Town? He's talking about Battle Isle. It seems to be between a pirate king and maybe some sort of dragons or something like that. Um, George's world is full of enormous magical civilizations that have risen and fallen. The Valyrians are the most recent example, but there's examples dawning his world all over the place that the same sort of thing has happened over and over and over again. Empire magic rises, reaches a peak, falls. So it's entirely possible that in the long past of Westeros, maybe there were some sort of Valyrian or Ashai or Great Empire of the Dawn or Maze Makers civilization there, and there was some battle that took place at Old Town because if you look at actually the map, the Arbor and Old Town are great economic positions. Uh, they're right on the coast. They're, they have good access to different shipping lanes. Um, they're on... I believe there's a river going through Old Town, uh, it's a, it's a great place to make a city, so it would make sense that in the long paths there was a different city that was not Old Town, and that presumably because it has economic value and maybe magical value, people fought over it. Mmm, do like that beer. Uh, Alicia Kingston, off topic. Have you watched Locking Key? I have not watched Locking Key. I've read a couple of the comics. Um, That one's a little bit further down on my list to do. Uh, Right now, it's The Expanse and Witcher I'm moving through. Mostly The Expanse. Um, And I got to catch up on Westworld. Because I want to cover that this year. Although, I'm going to have a lot of catching up to do to get that in time. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. Phil H, when did the Long Night happen? Do you think that the, only the crypts in the Old Tower existed, or is it still an old Blood Wraithen cave? When did the Long Night happen? Um, it's, if you believe Blood Moon and the Long Night, they were seeming to say it happened during the Andal invasion. And uh, Dan and Dave do too, where they, in some leak stuff, where they call uh, the Night King the Andal, or something like that that it was a first man-child alliance creating the Others to fight off the Andals who were invading. So, if you believe that one, it's anywhere from like 5,000 to 2,000 years ago. If that's the only Long Night, if there's multiple Long Nights, there's probably one in the far past that the Starks fought off. Um, because there seems to be successive ruins that are defending from things that don't really make sense anymore. Um, And especially, like we were talking about earlier, the Five Forts and the Lion of Night and all this stuff coming from Essos. Could be there was multiple Long Night events. Uh, Do you think the only crypts in the Old Tower existed, or is it still an old Bloodraven cave? It's almost for certain that Winterfell is built on top of a Children of the Forest cave, something like Bloodraven's cave, something like uh, the one in the Rainwood, or kind of like Castle Rock, which at one point was a child fortress um it seems pretty certain that the crypts themselves started off as children of the forest caves that have been adapted for the use of the Starks because their their lineages are so interconnected and it just makes sense. That there were it also says there were that the humans defeated the children and took their land, so <clears throat> lose my voice a little bit. A lot of talking tonight. Alright, let's find some more questions. Hope that answered your question, Phil. Um, Tony 3483 says, A Song of Madness is coming. Make sure you register to vote. Vote for Eamon and Dunk and Brienne. Um, I am commanding that. You must vote for them. They will One of those three will win this year, or we will die trying. A Song of Madness. That's from Davos's Fingers, the great Riri podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to them, Definitely check them out. I love listening to Davos Fingers. Those guys are great. Um, Matt and Scad, I think. I'm gonna look foolish if I say I listen to them all the time. I don't remember their names. I'm pretty sure it's Matt and Scad. I'm hoping they're not the same person, or else I'm gonna look like a dick. I may just be looking like a dick right now. Um, Dark Crystal. I don't know much about Dark Crystal.
1: Um... <laughs> talking about different, um...
0: different shows. I don't like Star Trek so I'm not watching Picard. Um... Oh, what kind of beer am I drinking? Says, Natalie Smith. Winter is here. Uh, the Game of Thrones one. I had one of these. If you guys that didn't see it... Whoop. I dropped that. I bought one of the collector's editions from Oma Gang, and I opened it tonight's special. I've been holding on to it for months. Uh hot springs, there's a dragon down there. Um, actually... There's... if there's hot springs down there there's volcanic activity, I'm definitely gonna make a video at some point about George's use of volcanism and how he seems to think that that is the most powerful force in his world. Um there's there's different ideas about out there about like what is the source of all these things and like is it something like a Vulcran? is it something like um which is from one of his stories a psychic crystal thing that orbits the earth is it something like praying to the stars like the cult of star wisdom is that um is it like something from like song for Leo*, where it's like concentrated souls? But he definitely seems to be keying into that. The most powerful beings in his world take advantage of volcanism, and um, yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a cool video because I went to Yellowstone, um, the national park, of not that long ago, and it has active volcanic features. And it's one of those things where you're standing around it, and I connected what I was seeing to A Song of Ice and Fire and the way George just thinks and emphasizes volcanic activity. And it's like, yeah, I can see why he does that. This stuff is terrifying and powerful. <clears throat> ah, so a few more, and then I'm gonna, we're gonna end the stream after I tease some stuff that's coming. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about Dark Crystal. I think I already said that. Uh, do you remember how Illyrio got to King's Landing? Do you think it too closely matched the description of the Kitchen Well at the Nightfort? Um... Illyrio getting to King's Landing and back is one of those early, a uh, Game of Thrones, I think, whoopsies from George, where it doesn't make sense that Illyrio would take that huge, long, dangerous ship voyage to... Uh, King's Landing and back just for that conversation Um, if he did it may have just been when George thought Westeros was much smaller and much closer to Essos when you get to a dance with dragons um, the land masses have grown by a huge amount so it no longer makes sense Um uh, and do you think it too closely matches the kitchen of uh, the kitchen well at the Night Fort? Oh, you're talking about the similarities between um the Red Keep and the Night Fourth. There's definitely parallels there. Uh the wormways, the the endless caverns, um, the idea of in, very intelligent schemers walking around in the dark in these tunnels, very similar to the children of the forest, brands standing in too for that. Um, you could maybe see a parallel between Varys and Bran and like Samuel and Illyrio if you want to make a strained one, but yeah, I it's if you really want to have a good time, go read the the chapter where Bran's in the night fort and then read the chapter where Tyrion is walking through the underbelly of the Red Keep with uh with Varys, they're very similar, it's really cool. Um here. Phil H the hot springs are natural, the cold coming from Crips is not. My theories and other down there. I yeah, definitely. Uh, I've I've uh, theorized along similar lines too. I wondered if the Night Queen is under there that um that she's imprisoned in Winterfell. If she exists that'd be pretty cool. Um just a few more. Uh barrel rider are you doing some collaborations with other YouTubers? Yep I have one coming up with a Shea from History of Westeros. That'll be the next thing coming out. Um I'll be back on Robert's channel at some point, um, we just need to find a topic and a time.
1: Uh, I haven't planned out that far,
0: cause I don't usually, I don't plan out that far, but I will. Um, Alicia Kingston says doesn't need to ship, used Valyria, Littlefinger's traveling service, or his jetpack, yeah, basically. Illyrio's goes way too far, way too fast, but, you know, whatever, George is not going for accuracy. He's going for cool. Um. So, any last questions? Um. I'll. I mean, this is on delay, so I'll wait a minute or two, and then we'll start wrapping up. We've been here for close to two hours. My voice is not doing great. Um. I hope Aziz is still going. I want to watch some Clash, some Crusader Kings. He's really interesting while he plays it, especially because I don't understand Crusader Kings, and I'm I'm learning
1: to play. And he knows it very well.
0: <clears throat> oh, and there's there's one thing in the long the last long night video was like, will the seasons go back to normal? I don't think they will. That was I think that was the end of the video where I said the exploitation of magic has slowed but not stopped. Um, it would take quite an effort from Bran, who's now like the avatar of all magic and knowledge to make it go back to normal, maybe even sacrificing his own power. <clears throat> uh, Phil H. says, The only female other, queen bee of a hive, reason they come down get the long winter, because you get queen, no Stark and Winterfell. Yeah, that's definitely um, an idea that George just layered in there, talking about um, the idea of a stolen woman the idea that the others are being held hostage for some reason, that they're not crossing the wall, even though it seems like they could. Um, there definitely could be the idea that the others are hive-minded race, because George writes about those all the time. He has the, um, again, for a song of Leah, he has the, God, I forget their names, whatever the fungus is. Uh, the fungus links all their minds. There's the um, haranguin minds from the Thousand World stories. There's the Jenshi, Jenshi, something like that, from the the way of, no, not the way of, uh, A Thousand Times Never Kill Man, sort of hive-minded psychic race. Um, if they're hive-minded, maybe there's a queen. That could definitely be the case for the others, that they're missing Their um, their, their leader has been trapped, and the rest of them are trying to get her back. Especially because they don't seem to be able to reproduce. I've always wondered about that. The others can't reproduce except by cannibalizing human children. So... It's interesting there. If there is a knight's Queen, can she give birth like Melisandre does? Does she give birth to the shadows? That'd be kind of cool. The Grishka. Thank you, Nessie. Um. <laughs> let's see here. Yeah, Ashaya is indeed the best. She gets a lot of people in the Expand. She's very passionate. It's a very cool and very interesting conversation we had. Um, all right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Um, Don't leave just yet. Stay right there. Stay right there. Uh, so, upcoming next on the channel. Uh, I will not... Oh, it is the uh, aforementioned uh collaboration with a Shay of the history of Westeros it will be why game of thrones fans should watch or read the expanse i haven't decided on the exact title yet but we essentially do an introduction to the expanse uh for season 1 ish the similarities to game of thrones um things that are awesome about it reasons you should watch it um I pulled in the Ex- Expanse expert I know, and the most hyped person, so... Um, the video will be a shortened version, which will go up on the channel here for everybody, but the entire... Um, hour or so... Uh, full thing will be only on Patreon. So... if you want to listen to the whole thing, in which she also gets mad at me for my Star Wars opinions, and there's a, lo- there's a lot of... um nerdy background stuff and kind of banter stuff that, I, that I've that been cutting out of the, the main version that you'll only be able to hear on the Patreon version. So that'll be awesome. Um, coming up after that... Um, maybe I'll... There, there's a... This will be less of a magical video. This will be talking about how um, Fagon or Fake Aegon in the Winds of Winter will take Storm's End, because it seems like he has. Uh, I came up with a theory uh, from talking with Jeff of uh, not a cast a while back, and I think I'll make into a full video about how exactly he's going to break into Storm's End and take the castle. Um, and then some, probably something about volcanism, um, something about The Witcher. I have a list of projects, uh, but those are those are the mo- those soon to come ones. What you can look forward to coming up. Uh, As usual, um, if you enjoy the content and all that stuff, support me on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash geomagician. Some of the mods throw some links in there. Uh, You join, you get access to our Patreon Slack. Um, If you don't know what Slack is, it's essentially like a a private chat room kind of thing. A lot of people from the chat tonight here, a bunch of my mods are in there. It's a lot of fun. Um, You can also get access to exclusive content and uh, You get stuff early for instance at the higher levels people get the videos two or I think two days early at the most You also get uh, access to audio feeds behind-the-scenes stuff uh It's great <laughs> Please please sign up uh, if you feel, if you feel like for supporting the channel I haven't turned on YouTube memberships because I don't really understand them Maybe I will at some point but have not done it yet um like, subscribe, slam the like button. Uh, also, by the way, okay, personal request for all you here tonight. If you listen to the audio version, because all my videos I put up on a on a, on a uh, podcast feed called The Wit and Wisdom of Joe Magician, if you listen to those, please go to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to it on. This will be up there too. And, um... Leave a rating, or like, whatever, tell people what you think, it would really help um, get people out to see it because those things are based around ratings and that sort of stuff. So that's it, two videos covered, sorry there was a long wait in between. Um, Where we can go from here, definitely go to History of Westeros, wait, hang on. Let me see if Aziz is still streaming. (laughs) I hope he is. He usually plays for a long time. Yes, Aziz is still uh, streaming. I'm gonna grab the link and put it in the chat. He's playing as House Blackwood Crusader Kings 2. Um, we'll do more of these more often. Um, especially as I make more videos. Uh, so yeah. Thanks everybody. Have a great Friday night. Thanks for all the questions. Y'all were great. Uh, fandom is awesome. Oh, uh, right at the end, super chat from um, Lumina M, uh, two Canadian dollars. Thank you, I love your channel. Thank you very much, it's very kind of you. Uh, Yeah, go check out Aziz, that's probably where I'm going to go. Y'all have a good night.